Hey, if I've never met you, my name is Phil. I get the wonderful opportunity to be the pastor of this group of people who call themselves Clarity Church. And whether today is your first time with us or you've been coming since the very, very beginning to our gatherings, uh, I always want to take the opportunity to say thank you for choosing to spend part of your weekend with us today. And today I am really, really excited because we are continuing in this series called Spiritual Habits. And today... Uh, uh, and you'll, you might get a sense of this, but uh, I am really, really passionate about this spiritual habit uh, that I think is a rhythm of life that helps us live on mission with God. And uh, before I get to that, <clears throat> Thursday night, my wife calls me up, and uh, some of you know my daughter plays soccer, and uh, she trains at the Maple Grove Dome. If you don't know where that is, it's uh, Maple Grove High School. It's this big dome and turf and everything, and so she comes home with all these pebbles. Anyone, it's like, anyone have kids who do soccer? Like the pebbles and the little grass and just everywhere. I remember one day I was, I was actually getting the house ready and I saw a little grass thing suck on the wall. Okay, anyways, um, this is not about, um, not about that, but I'm venting since I have the stage and I have the mic. Anyways, um, anyways so my wife calls me on Thursday and she's like, you're never going to believe what's hap- what just happened. I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't know. And she, goes, she said, uh, after dropping Emily off at soccer, she went to Sam's Club, which is right down the road, if you know where the area is. And then she decided she's going to go drop the groceries home. Well, she kind of went on autopilot. And it wasn't until she pulled in. Some of you know we just moved last August. She ended up pulling into the driveway like, yeah, I'm home. And then she all, all of a sudden noticed like her old kitchen. And she, she's like, wait a minute. Wait, that's my old friend. She pulled into the old house. And so um, I think that's, it's really, really great. The, the, the power of, ha- like, of years of going from Sam's Club to home. Sam's Club to home. Because that's what you do when you go to Sam's Club. You just go straight home. Uh, but, you know, this is the power of habit, right? This is the power of habit. Sometimes you find yourself doing things that you just... Ah, Don't even, like your brain kind of shuts down. In fact, uh, the author of The Power of Habit writes this. It's a book. It's a really great book, actually. You should pick it up. Pretty good. It says this. When a habit emerges, the brain stops fully participating in decision-making. It stops working so hard and diverts focus to other tasks. So unless you deliberately fight a habit, unless you find new new routines, the pattern will unfold automatically. And that's kind of like what happened to... Leona this week, she just kind of had this habit and she wasn't even thinking. She just, she, she told her brain home, right? And the, <laughs> the hands and the, and the feet, oh, <coughs> whoa. <coughs> I'm just getting over sickness. Y'all don't know. <coughs> Woo. Oh, we cool now? You have awake, everyone? Okay, good. Hold on a second. Let me just try this again. <coughs> I took my medicine this morning, mom. I really did. And then somebody like, you just call her mom? Yes, get over it. I'm Filipino. That's what we say. So, okay, back to the subject. Uh, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of spiritual habits and how to form new spiritual habits. And, and often the thing that gets in the way of creating spiritual habits is our old habits. Now, before we go any further, just in case you have missed part of the series or you fell asleep or I was coughing too much the last couple weeks and you missed what, we, what do we mean by spiritual habits and this is just kind of ground us and put us all on the same page when I talk about spiritual habits. 
And spiritual habits for us, the working definition for it is this. Spiritual habits are the rhythms of living God uses to increasingly transform and conform a person's life to look like Jesus. So here's the first thing, you need, first thing you need to know. If you're not someone who believes everything you've heard about Jesus in the Bible, everything that I'm telling you to do when you hear me say, you need to, you should, you, like, listen, you are totally off the hook. But listen, if you're someone who believes in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, someone who has positioned your life and decided and made a decision to submit all of life increasingly to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then what we have been talking about these last couple weeks is non-negotiable for you. These are the things that you, if, if you want, if... I mean, I guess it is negotiable. You can do whatever you want. But the idea is this. If you want to look more and more like Jesus, if you want to live on mission, and we've talked about what that means for us, then you need to begin to put rhythms of living into your life that actually help you live on mission. And these are what we are calling spiritual habits. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Thank you very much. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have rhythms of living with our personal interest in mind. Just be honest if we're honest with ourselves. And, and this is not to say that uh, personal interests are without any good or that there are not any personal interests that are uh, noble in any way. The, the point is that when your life is filtered, though, through the lens of your own personal interest, the interesting thing is you build rhythms that align your life to fulfill your personal interests. <laughs> so some of you are like, okay, Phil, do we really pay for this? I mean, you're telling us everything we know. Here's where I'm going with this. Based on the research that we know about habits and all that kind of stuff, when you build your life living certain kind of habits, it's almost as if though, and, and hang on with me here, I have a point. It's almost as though you're not thinking about it. When you live out the habits of your life, especially if they're the habits of your own personal interest, here's what you do. You actually don't think about it. In fact, most of you would have a rhythm of living that feels almost natural to you. It feels like it's a part of who you are because it's actually a habit. You're, you're, you don't have to think about it. It just, it just is. And, and, and the danger is that if we're not careful, we find our identity in what feels natural whether or not the patterns of living are actually about, if you're a follower of Christ, what God sees in you, or at a minimum, whether or not it actually has your best interest in mind. Uh, does that make sense, what I just said? So you could actually be living, if you're living out of your own personal interest, you could actually be living rhythms that feel natural to you. And you would say, like, this is just who I am. This is, this is my identity. But it can actually not be good for you. And it can definitely, if you're a follower of Christ, not help you live on mission, become more and more like Jesus. And here's the crazy truth about living according to our personal interests. What I know about myself and what you know about yourself is that at any point in our lives, our personal interests and priorities, they change, don't they? Over time, we look back at the decisions we made, the things that we thought were right for me and my right and totally acceptable, the things we look back at. I mean, if any of you are over the age of 30 and you look back at 16-year-old you, you know that your priorities have changed, right? What you thought was in your best interest has changed, right? And what does that tell you about you? What does that tell you about how you think what does that tell you about 
the, the kind of patterns of living you build off of your own personal interest and how it either helps you look more and more like Jesus or not, or at a minimum level, actually makes your life better and or not. Because here's the truth. There are times in our life we actually do things that are not in our best interest, right? And what does that say about who we are? question is, how do we as followers of Christ, and this is kind of what we're teasing out over this series and what we'll be teasing out today, is how can we build the habits of living that helps us actually look like Jesus? Over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about various spiritual habits, but today we're going to be talking about probably one of the most neglected habits, which has the greatest potential. That's really, really, really audacious. It's a really audacious thing to say, but I think I could back it up has the greatest potential to conform us and transform us to look more and more like Jesus. Today we're going to be exploring the scriptural and spiritual habit of gospel witness. Now, what do I mean when I say the habit of gospel witness? In fact, uh, I, I struggled a little bit because I'm like, don't you mean the habit of being a gospel witness? And then, you know, I, I read several different, uh, you know, in the, in the study for this series, there was a lot of people who were a lot smarter than me. They talked about this idea. They either call it the habit of or the discipline of gospel witness. And I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll go with that. But in the, in the plethora of understandings of what does it mean to be a gospel witness, there are two things, two attributes of this that I really want to concentrate and talk about today uh, that really make the basis, I think, of this spiritual habit. And the first is understanding what the gospel is or answering the question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Now, for those who have regularly been a part of our gatherings over the years, you have heard me say this multiple, multiple, multiple times. But basically, it's this. The gospel is what? It's, oh my goodness gracious. Is what? Good news. Okay, okay. I was going to say, I know some of you have been sitting in those very seats for the last five years. You've heard me say this. The gospel is what? It's good news, right? Good news. And what is it good news particularly about? Well, it's good news particularly about our sin problem. And in a nutshell, we can sum it up this way. The gospel is that God himself has come to rescue and restore creation in and through the work of Jesus for our behalf? And why does creation, including me, need rescuing because of sin? And sin is living for my fame and my glory instead of God. Sin is living life my way for me instead of living my life God's way for God. And the truth is that we all have sinned and we really need the gospel. We desperately need Jesus to rescue us from the penalty and the effects of sin, which the Bible teaches is the ultimate an eternal separation from God. And the gospel also tells us this, that when we repent, when we literally, remember, change our mind, we change directions, we change our mind about who God is in our life. And by faith, we believe in Jesus' life, death and resurrection, and that it has secured our rescue and restored us to a right relationship with God the Father. Then this is good news This is good news that is true for us as it has been true for all those who have decided to increasingly learn to submit all of life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the gospel. Okay, so we've talked about that. We talk about it a lot here. And so I don't think uh, many of us are surprised by that. So if we want to know what it means to practice the habit of gospel witness, we need to know what the gospel is, (coughs) which we just talked about. 
But we also have to come to a common understanding of what a witness is. Or, answering the question, what is a what? What is a witness? There are a lot of ways to define the word witness. And, uh, you know, there, there, there are many different ways you can look it up in the dictionary. But the best example I have found comes right out of a record of what Jesus said in what is actually his last words to his disciples on earth. In Acts 1, it says this, but you will receive power. This is Jesus talking to his guys right before he goes to heaven, okay? So it's like, these are last words. Think about it, like last words. It's pretty powerful. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my what? Witnesses, there's that word, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let's just stop right there. <clears throat> there are two distinct points that Jesus makes in this passage that helps us understand what it means to be a witness. And while I'm not going to give a whole dissertation on this passage, I just want to pull two different things that I think will help us understand what it means to practice the habit of gospel witness. So what is it? Well, first it's this. Being a witness means living a life led by God's spirit. You will receive what, but after you will receive what power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then you will what? Be my witnesses. So there is this idea of being a witness coinciding right with this idea of being a witness, this idea of God's spirit living in you and more importantly, leading you. Galatians 5.16 says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Being filled with God's spirit is something that God does. And I'm going to make that clear. Like you don't, you don't like put the spirit of God <coughs> in you, excuse me. But being led by God's spirit, that's something you have to choose to do. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. A rhythm of living that you and I need to put into practice is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives, allowing it to guide our lives so it becomes a habit. And when you do this, here's what your life looks like. Paul goes on and says this to this church in, in the city of Galatia. He goes on in, in verse, what we call verse 22 to 25. He says this, the Holy Spirit will then produce this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the, what? Spirit. Let us follow the Spirit's leading into what? Every. Everyone say every. Every. Every part of our lives. In other words, practicing the habit of gospel witness means allowing the Holy Spirit in your life to reorient your everyday life decisions so that you look like Jesus. And what does a life looking like Jesus result in? Like, what, what do you get when you actually reorient the rhythms of your life to look like Jesus? Let me ask it another way. What would happen in your life if everyone you meet in every place you go observed what looked like 
a life bearing the fruit of the Spirit. What if those who are your enemies experienced your love? What would happen if your life was a source of joy to the morning or peace to those in strife? What would happen if your life was a consistent source of patience and kindness to those who do not deserve it? What would happen if your regular rhythms of life were defined by goodness and faithfulness, especially goodness and faithfulness towards those to who never earned it. I think your life would look a lot like Jesus. And what does life looking like Jesus result in? I like what Luke tells us in his account of the life of Jesus. It's very interesting. He he gives us kind of the, the birth, and then kind of this childhood moment. And then he skips right up to where Jesus is like about 30 years old. But right before he gets there, he says this. This is really, really important. You, got, you can't miss this. Luke 2.52 says this. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor 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 with God And the people who look like him, talk like him, voted like him, listen to the same music he did, you know, basically good music, everything except Nickelback, right? I'm teasing. If you love Nickelback, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. Um, No, what does it say? Thank you very much. All the people, all the people. No, listen, Jesus grew in favor with people. He lived his life in such a way that he built a reputation with them. Question, how do you know if you're successfully engaging in the spiritual habit of gospel witness? How do you know? I'll tell you. You are successfully engaging in the spiritual habit of gospel witness when you find yourself building a good reputation with everyone within your circle of influence. Not just the ones who look like you, talk like you, believe like you, vote like you. I remember, this message is a lot about Leona. Um, I remember one, because she's the apple of my eye. She is, I love you, babe. Does that that do anything for you? No? Okay. Did something for you? Okay. (laughs) You and me, lunch later. Um, <clears throat> I remember one day Leona came, uh, and it sounds like all of our conversations are like this, but it literally was like this. She's like, you never guess what happened today. Um, I drove Emily. No, that's not the story. Uh, of course, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I never know. I, I think when I was earlier in the marriage, I would try to figure it out, and she would look at me like, no, that's dumb. And I'm like, okay, I'll just say, what is it, honey? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> all right, and everything's been happy. Uh, well, in this one instance, she said this. She, she told me that one of her coworkers that she had been working with um, over the last school year, some of you know she's a, 
she works in the school system. Um, one of the, uh, uh, this is many years ago, uh, one of the people she was working with, because I know there's some people here who work with her now, so you're trying to figure out who it is. Psh, don't try. You don't know who it is. Uh, <clears throat> someone she had been intentionally working with, someone that she had been, uh, you know, building a relationship with. This is the kind of thing that we, we do. We, uh, this is our habit, the idea of building relationships with people, no matter who they are, uh, whether they're Christians or whether they're someone who are far from Christ, because we actually believe that the gospel is best lived out in our lives when we first build relationships with people. And so this is just kind of a habit. We can't take any credit for it. God has taught us this over the years, and it's something we value. And so Leona was building this relationship with a coworker who's not a Christian, and uh, they kind of worked in the same department. They were talking. So, uh, you know, initially their conversations were all about behavioral stuff because that's what she does. You know, so probably went like, oh, this kid's so bad. Yeah, this kid's so bad. <laughs> it's IEP. Anyway, I'm making it. I don't know. I'm just trying to, f- I don't know anything about education, but like those are the words out of here. And so um, try to fill it. See, yeah, see the teachers are laughing at me. And so their conversations went really well. And they, they, they started talking about work stuff and and then eventually they started talking about personal stuff. And, and she said, you know, like, you know, like I found out that her husband likes music and you like music too, Phil. Like, yeah, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So what's the story? Where's it going? She goes, well, okay, here. So today she straight up and asked me, what does your husband do? And this is like, you know, almost a year later, right? I think about a year later. <clears throat> and she goes, well, my husband's a pastor. To which Leona's co-worker says, <laughs> I, uh, I got to be careful because I don't want to accidentally say it. Uh, There's no effing way you're a pastor's wife. <laughs> so like this is literally what she said. I, I quote, there is no bleeping way you're a pastor's wife. She said, you're too nice. You're sweet. You're fun to talk to. You're not so judgy. And you dress cute too. I don't know what that <laughs> means. I have no idea. I, in fact, Leona was like, you know, I get the other stuff, you know, because that's kind of like Jesus, but the whole, you know, I guess pastor's wife dressed a certain way too. I don't know. But here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. <clears throat> when you live a life led by God's spirit, you live like Jesus in the everyday rhythms of your life. And one of the most remarkable things about Jesus is that he grew in reputation with those who were nothing like him. As one pastor puts it, people who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. People who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. That should bother you. It should. It really should. Because at any moment in our lives, I think we can all catch ourselves not building reputation with the people we are unlike but pointing fingers and judging and saying things like, I can't believe they, those millennials, those, you know, you say it, because I say it too. Okay. Right? We would say stuff like that, right? Here's the thing. You can only look like Jesus to the people in your circles of influence Only if you regularly engage your life in the habit of submitting your life to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because it's only the Holy Spirit that will produce in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all the stuff, self-control. 
So the big question is this, then, uh, if you are someone who follows Jesus, I think it's a really important question to ask is, when was the last time you prayed? Lord, how do you want me to live by your spirit today? Like, seriously, when was the last time you uh, approached the decision of your life and just said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done? Or, Or maybe it's not a declaration. Maybe it's just even just asking and pausing and going like, okay, Holy Spirit, I know you live in me because you're, you know, you, you came into my life when I confessed you as Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, it, and you are living in me and now you want to and you desire to live through me. So Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you bring to remembrance the things that you've told me already? I know that our, I am I'm to live out in your word. Would you just, would you glean? When was the last time you actually prayed? Dear Lord, how would you like to lead me by your spirit today? It's a good question to ask. So being a witness means living life led by God's spirit, but it also means sharing the gospel. It means actually sharing the gospel. So that's an easy part. I think it's easy for us to talk about like living like Jesus. And then a lot of us are excited about that <clears throat> because it actually makes us look better. Like the whole idea of reputation, growing reputation. Woo! We love that. We love that. We talk about that in the church today. We love talking about that stuff, but I think something we forget, and this is the really the big part of actually living life through the habit of gospel witnesses, we actually have to share the gospel. We actually have to open our mouth and speak of the wonderful good news we have in Jesus Christ. I think this is why the translators of the New Living Translation, some of you might have this translation of the Bible, and in Acts 1.8, this is the way they translated it. And I think they're right, and I like it. And they, they said this, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And they add this little part in here, and I, think it's, I actually think it's right. Telling people about me everywhere. Now, where did the translators get this idea from? Well, I think they knew What the disciples knew when Jesus said, be my witness, you will go and you will do this. Because just earlier, Matthew tells us right before this point, he gave the the disciples what we now call the great commission. Some of you heard, we we talk about this all the time. But what is that? Matthew 28, 28, 19 through 20. It's, I think I have it, Matthew 18. It's supposed to be 2, 8. My bad. I did it wrong. It's 2, 8, 28, 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, do you see that reverberation of, I will make you witnesses and should you them in what? To the uttermost parts of the earth, right? So there's this theme that Jesus had. And so here, even before Acts 1.8, he begins this theme of sending and going. And so what does he say? Go, or as you are going, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to what? Obey the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I think when the disciples, right before Jesus went up and they heard, they said, wait, you're leaving us. You just told us you're going to be with us to the end of the age. And then it makes sense. Aha. But you will receive power, the Holy Spirit. I'm sending another. And Jesus says, oh, so you're, you're kind of leaving, but you're not really like leaving, leaving. Oh, and you still want us to go. You still want us to be your witnesses. Okay, but we're going to have the power to do that. You're going to actually make it possible for us to do that. 
In the same way that we are talking about being a gospel witness, the Apostle Paul uses the imagery of an ambassador to kind of get the same message of this idea of being a gospel witness. He just uses the word ambassador. And I love what he says here in, in this letter to a church in Corinth. And we, we call it 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says this, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Here's just a real important question. If you love and follow Jesus, and maybe you've done it since you were a little kid, when was the last time your life spoke to someone who was disconnected from God in a way that let them know very, very clearly that God was for them and wanted to be reconciled to them. When was the last time your life, your actions, your words actually said, hey, come come back to God. Here's the good news about God's word. Paul says this, it's his kindness that leads me to repentance. Listen, if you, for some reason, if these questions like, oh my gosh, you're like laying into me. I've never led anyone to Jesus or I never. Listen, today is a day if you are someone who is a follower of Christ and this just like maybe cuts at you and you're like, oh my goodness, man, my life is not, I like the other stuff. I like the spiritual habit of like silence and solitude. I get that, man, by myself. I just love it. Man, you're starting to poke it. Listen, today is a day that we can go, oh my goodness, my life has not been aligned to the rhythms of living that actually help transform and conform my life to live like Jesus. Today, you get the opportunity to go, God, I'm sorry. Help me. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us what? If we what, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Like this is the good news. This is why it's good news to be a follower of Jesus because you get to. Today, if you are sitting there and you're like, you know what, <laughs> I actually, I like the whole part about living like Jesus and I try to be a good person, you know, and I build good reputation, but I haven't, it's been a while. It's been a while. I don't think I've ever maybe shared the gospel. Today's a good day for you to ask God to forgive you and then begin to choose to reorient your life so that the rhythms of your life actually put you on a path for living life on mission. So, okay. Everyone still okay? You're good? Are you still love me? You're good? All right. I know this isn't like as fun to talk about sometimes. Listen, we started this church so that lost people become found. That's why we started this, okay? Like if you, like, we can clap, that's good. But listen, this is why we did this. <laughs> this is why we did this. This is why, this is why we started this, so that you, 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 in your circle of influence could actually help people understand clearly who Christ is. Like you can do this. Like you literally can. And I believe you can. But you've got to start making a plan for it. You've got to make a decision. I want to be led by God's spirit. And I want to begin to take the opportunities to actually share the good news of Jesus Christ. But maybe you understand what gospel witness is, but you just really don't understand why. Maybe you heard rightly that the first reason that the, you know, the gospel witness is something we should practice is because it's essential to accomplish the mission of God through our lives. Maybe you get that. 
The habit of gospel witness is essential. Maybe you get that. We've talked about that. But the second reason is one that I don't think is talked about as much. And the other reason why we should practice the spiritual habit of gospel witness is because it's the active way we resist the prideful and self-centered life. It's the active way we resist the prideful and self-centered life. And just, I'm going to take a couple of minutes to talk about this before we end. Uh, listen, this may be offensive to some. <clears throat> I'll just admit that. But listen, if we were all honest with ourselves, <clears throat> I think we would agree that we are at some time or another tempted to believe that life is for me. <laughs> that uh, life is for me instead of me for life. Um, in other words, I think we're all tempted to live our lives as consumers instead of contributors. And when we're tempted to live this way, we don't live like people who bring the realities of the kingdom of God into the world around us. But instead, we become consumers of everything we believe life can. And if we are audacious enough, what we believe life should give to us. And while living like life like this in the most tangible sense makes you look like a jerk, when you live self-centered in this way where everything's about you, everything's about me, 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 when you live life this way, the real danger of living this kind of life is that this kind of philosophy of life eventually spills into our theology of God and tempts us to believe that God is for my life instead of my life is for God. Make sense? And then if we're not careful, it also spills into our belief about the community of faith that is the local church. And it makes us into consumeristic deists that believe that the community is for me. The stage for me. The music is for me. And so when it's too loud, I get mad. And when it's too soft, I get mad. When it's not the song I like, I get mad. When the lights are too low, I get mad. When the lights are too bright, I get mad. They don't have enough kids programming. And so they don't have enough of this. And they don't have enough of me and me and me. And, like, and, and so this, I'm, I told you, I was warning you, I was going to offend some people totally. I get it. But this is just, and I'm being dramatic about it, but this is like how we get. When we allow that kind of philosophy to creep in from our everyday life, to our theology about who God is and then our understanding about what the church is. And what ends up happening is we believe that community is for me instead of me for my community and the community for the world. Make sense? Because the biggest danger when we live this way is that we're confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, but with our actions, we are actually saying, I'm Lord. <laughs> I'm Lord. And so how do you resist this temptation? By living out the habit of gospel witness. One pastor and author who writes a lot about the missional church movement had this to say. He said this, many Christians who are confessing monotheists ends up being practicing polytheists. A God for work, another for family, a different one when we're at the movies or one for our politics. No wonder the average churchgoer can't seem to make sense of it all. 
This results from a failure to respond truly to one God. This failure can be addressed only by a discipleship. You can insert there rhythms of living that leads us towards living on mission with God. That's, we could equate that. A discipleship that responds by offering to the, all the disparate elements of our life. I don't know if I said that word right. Including the various domains of society back to God, thus unifying our lives under his lordship. That's some scary stuff when you think about it. And the only way that we can be the kind of people who actually believe in the one true God is by living out the habit of gospel witness. Look, you are going to live your life according to your priorities and you are in danger of actually living a life where you say Jesus is Lord, but in the everyday actions of your life, I am Lord, unless you practice the habit of being a gospel witness. Close out uh, while preaching to a London congregation in 1869 about the responsibility of evangelism. Uh, Spurgeon, a really popular pastor and preacher among at least the Bible geeks and you know pastors, we like to quote him a lot. And he has really good stuff to say. And actually he has this to say. He said, if I've never won souls, I would sigh till I did. I would break my heart over them if I could not break their hearts. Though I can understand the possibility of an earnest sower never reaping, I cannot understand the possibility of an earnest sower being content not to reap. I cannot comprehend any one of you Christian people trying to win souls and not having results and being satisfied without Results. Question, there's a lot of things in your life that leave you unsatisfied. When was the last time not seeing someone come to faith in Jesus because of your life actually bothered you? Yeah, because the rhythm of being a gospel witness is a habit. Will you plan for it? If you desire to live life on mission with God, to make disciples who make disciples, how will you begin reorienting your life to accomplish this? What areas of your life do you need to allow the Holy Spirit to begin leading you so you can grow in reputation with people in your circle of influence who are disconnected from God and earn their permission to share the gospel effectively with them so they understand and see clearly who Christ is? In his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, uh, Donald Whitney writes this, yes, there is a correlation between the pursuit of godliness and a passion for God's message. The more we pursue Christ, the more we want to proclaim Christ. But without discipline, our best evangelistic intentions often go unspoken. May we discipline ourselves to live so that we can say with the Apostle Paul, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may be a fellow partaker of it. Okay, I'm over. Sorry. I love this subject. You got to forgive me. But listen, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for us, for those of us who call Clarity Home. My prayer is this, that we would become the kind of people who do all things for the sake of the gospel so that we could become people who share in the blessings 
of the gospel. If you want that, today you can choose to be a gospel witness.